Hi, y'all. My name is Celine Tien. I'm the founder and CEO of Flowly. And Femtech, to me, is empowering women with the education and the tools to take back control of their health on a daily basis with non-medication devices and alternative therapies like biofeedback, virtual reality, and more. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about an upcoming campaign that I need your help with. Stack the Deck for Femtech is an opportunity to get exposure for your startup. Whether you're fundraising, looking for customers, or ready for media exposure, Femtech Focus is dedicated to getting your women's health company in front of the right people. Starting this week, you're going to start to see a survey link in our newsletter, virtual community, and social media accounts with questions about your business, like where you're headquartered, who's the main contact person, what was your latest valuation, and much more. Takes about 10 minutes to complete. We're looking for minimally 350 femtech companies, ranging from initial corporate incorporation to initial public offering, to fill out this questionnaire. If you work at or founded a femtech company, please have yourself or someone in leadership fill it out by the end of September. This is for your benefit. Help me help you. Let's stack the deck for femtech. Alrighty, so in today's episode, I interview Celine Tian, the founder and CEO of Flowly, a mobile app that combines virtual reality with biofeedback for pain and anxiety management. Using a mobile app and VR headset, Flowly uses biometric data such as heart rate and heart rate variability and converts it into visualizations and virtual experiences that reduce pain by over 46%. Flowly has also been studied in NIH-backed clinical trials that show an average of 40% reduction in opioid use. This conversation around bioneurofeedback is super fascinating, and I'm really excited to see all the challenges Flowly addresses for women's health. Learn more and sign up at flowly.world. That's flowly, F-L-O-W-L-Y dot world. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Celine. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brittany. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. You were introduced to me by one of my new dear friends, Sue, uh, from HealthWorks, right? How, are, yep. how do you know her? So we're actually part of a program um, that HealthWorks is part of called 1501 Health. So it's with HealthWorks and Care First. Nice. Awesome. Well, I am so grateful for the intro because as soon as I checked out what you were working on, I was like, this is super cool topic. We've not covered it yet. So I'm excited mm. to jump into it. Before we do, we always love to learn a little bit more about our guest. So can you please tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from? You know, did you go to school? Did you have a career before this? How did you end up working in this space? It's 
it, okay, it's a windy path, so bear with me. But mm-hmm. as um, as you know, I'm the founder now of a digital health startup. Um, but I did not start out in the health space. Well, I kind of grew up around it. So my parents are both in biotech. My dad was a neuroradiologist. Um, and I grew up around cancer. So that was always something that was very close to me. But I actually, my first job was when I was nine years old, I think, and I was actually an actor. Um, so when I was really young, I was a uh, film and television, um, like one of those child teeny boppy actors um, on like Disney and Nickelodeon and all that stuff. And That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's a journey. Um, <laughs> but I, I, that's where I started. So I was, I acted since I was nine all the way up to college, actually. Um, and then when I was in high school, though, I was starting to get interested in other things like um, tech, mostly and entrepreneurship. I started a nonprofit around education, which I was super passionate about. And then when I got to college, I studied English and film. And I think I realized that I was really interested, not just being in front of the camera, but actually behind it. Mm-hmm. And so I actually ended up working at DreamWorks for a couple of years. I started as like an intern and then came on as um, a team member on the development side um, in China, uh, DreamWorks and in DreamWorks in the US. So I was very much sort of in that entertainment, filmmaking, animation realm um, before I kind of made that leap into like the are in tech and health. I'm seeing the connection though. I was that first child star Nickelodeon to VR headset for health. I was like, I don't see, but now, oh, it's making a connection now. Yeah. It was, it was really because when I was at DreamWorks, um, I, I love film. I love storytelling, but I think I felt so bogged down by like the studio system, by how bureaucratic it was. I mean, as with any large company, right. And, um, I was starting to seek other projects and they had this department that was VR, but they had recently sort of shuttled it because, um, they just weren't sure what direction it was going to take. And so I just snuck into their VR studio, really got super involved, really loved it. I started pitching sort of like interactive um, and tech-based entertainment and experiences for the IP we were working on. And uh, I think I just realized I want to pursue this. Like I want to look into VR. I, I really, really loved it. And so pretty soon afterwards, I was like, uh, bye DreamWorks. I'm going to go do my own <laughs> thing. And so um, I uh, very quickly after produced and wrote and directed AVR filmic experience called Pippa's Pan, um, which is also how I met my co-founders. And we put together this film um, that was about uh, Alzheimer's disease, actually, but experienced in this like nonlinear, very beautiful virtual reality world. Um, and we were actually selected and featured at Cannes Film Festival and other festivals. My goodness. How we got started. Amazing. Long, windy path, like I said. <laughs> I love it. And so was that kind of the the next step was Flowly or when did you see, when did you, you know, it sounds like you were already kind of putting together health and wellness and VR, but how did it get to Flowly? 
Yeah. I mean, I, it wasn't even a conscious decision of like, okay, make this about health. But it, I think just because it was so much part of my upbringing and so much part of my parents' mission when I was growing up that it just sort of seeped into everything that I did. And so when I went to, when I went to write that story, it ended up being about Alzheimer's disease. And because of the subject matter, um, we actually had a lot of researchers from like Yale and Harvard and UCLA reach out to us and ask us like, what is VR and could I use it in my research in some way? And that really got us thinking more and more, oh, you know, is there potential beyond entertainment? And as soon as that idea popped into our head and my head, I was super, super excited about that because I felt really strongly that VR was exciting, but perhaps its first real foray wouldn't be um, really like around film or entertainment, but in rooted applications in health. And so mm-hmm. I um, very quickly dove into the research and with the help of like my father, who's a doctor, and then a lot of researchers we already worked with at Yale, um, we saw that VR specifically had been de- has been designed and then researched since the 1980s for pain management. Mm. And and for anxiety. And this was super exciting to me because I mentioned I grew up around cancer patients. And I'm sure you know, and I'm sure a lot of people know that it's a very painful experience. It's a pain experience full of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty and fear. And so when I realized that VR could be potentially something that could be helpful to that population, we just kind of dove in head first. Mm. Um but I always feel like a little bit of a fraud when I put it together in that narrative because actually the experience is very windy. It wasn't that linear. It was like yeah. here, there, several months to yeah, several years. Yeah, but really I think there was that underlying narrative of we were looking for something that could really help people. And because I was already really passionate about pain and anxiety management, it just all kind of came together there. That's right. That's right. And so what is Flowly today? What do y'all offer yeah, so Flowly is an app that combines virtual reality and something called biofeedback, um, which allows us to actually collect your biometric data. So things like your heart rate and your breathing and actually convert that data into these visualizations in VR that help us teach you how to in real time control your heart rate and your body. And so when you learn to control your heart rate, you can actually shift your nervous system from a state of fight or flight mode, which is where all that pain and that anxiety lives. And then you shift into that rest, digest and relaxation mode, which is where like true safety and comfort lives. Um, and And we've designed it, you know, specifically for people with chronic pain and anxiety. Yep. Um, when you and I first met, I told you the story and I'd love to tell it in this episode of my experience with biofeedback. Um, I was at one point getting some PTSD treatment using bioneurofeedback and they asked me, they had all these sensors on me. They had the sensors on my head, on my fingers, on my arms, they had all these sensors and there was a screen and you could see my heart rate. And so they said, all right, Brittany, um, you know, breathe really deeply and relax yourself. And so I was taking these big deep breaths and these big long exhales and they were showing my breath uh, in in correspondence to my heart rate and my heart rate was like kind of changing but they said we want you to try to match your breath with your heart rate and it was like practicing a little bit less out a little bit more in da, 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 da. 
finally figured out that if I breathe in three counts and I breathe out two counts, that is like the perfect for my heart rate in terms of relaxation. And so for probably four years now, if I ever struggle to go to sleep, if I start my three count, two Mm. count thing, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping within a minute. It's like crazy, crazy effective. And I will like forever remember, I'm sure they did lots of other activities with me, but like that is something to this day. It's a biohack. You know, if I'm struggling, if I'm thinking too much, if, if I need to relax, like before giving a talk, if I need to like ground myself, three in, two out, three in, two out. And it's, it's crazy effective. So that's kind of what you're referring to here, right? Oh my gosh, exactly. And I remember when you told me I was super excited because I actually rarely meet people that have done biofeedback, true biofeedback, because um, as you said, it's it's very effective, but it's actually really hard to access. So you'd have to go to like a special clinic or special centers that happens to have that technology, that specialist, the resources to pay for it. Um, and so we've just made it more accessible yeah. and just a double click on what you were saying too, about that breathing rate. So it's actually called, um, resonant frequency breathing rate oh. and it's unique to each person. So just to step back for a second here, cause regardless of whether you have tried Flowly or not, this is super useful to know, um, in Flowly, in the biofeedback we do, we do something specifically called heart rate variability, mm-hmm. which is you actually want to learn how to increase your heart rate variability. So a lot of times when I t- talk about heart rate variability, people think, oh, I want to lower my average heart rate. That's true in most cases, but actually what you don't realize is if you go ahead and touch your pulse right now, so your finger to your wrist or your neck, and you inhale, your heart rate is supposed to speed up. And then when you exhale, your heart rate slows down. That's a variation, right, in how your heart rate is moving. And actually what you want is for it to speed up when it needs to perform really quickly and then be able to slow down right away when you can recover. Mm. Now, most people um, who have chronic conditions or even most of us, honestly, in this day and age with all the stress and anxiety and the threats we face, um, we have very low heart rate variability, so low HRV, which means that our heart's not really speeding up that much to perform, and then our heart's really not slowing down that much to recover. So it's kind of like chugging along at the same consistent pace, Mm. when really you want to have high variability. And so what we actually teach you through um, breathing is one of those ways we do that, is we teach you how to increase your heart rate variability on command, because that means you can actually learn how to take better control of your body and your nervous system. And so that breathing rate you were talking about, that resonant frequency breathing rate, that is the individual breathing rate for each person at which they are most able to increase their HRV. And it's slightly different across um, each individual, but across all humans on average, it's about six breaths per minute. So you can kind of think about it like five seconds in, five seconds out. Um, And fun fact, that's actually what they teach snipers to breathe at is their resonant frequency because it's sort of that optimal intersection between performance and deep relaxation. Yep. Yep. That's what I did just last week. I was in Tel Aviv, Israel. And right before my talk, I was sitting in my chair and I love public speaking. I'm not usually someone who gets nervous, but I still get a little sweaty palms, higher heart rate. I still get a little, you know, and so I just sat there and I was doing my breathing and it's, and 
I wasn't necessarily thinking I'm a sniper, but I could totally see that it's like very similar where you're like, I'm about to perform, you know, and you want to be focused and present. Um, that's so interesting. So biofeedback, I'm hearing a lot about heart rate and a lot about breath modulating it. Is there any other parts of biofeedback that we should know about? Yeah, there's actually so many types of different um, biofeedback. And, um, you know, just so folks know, like virtual reality and biofeedback separately and combined have been studied and applied since the 1980s, right? So it's been around for a long time. It's been validated, used clinically. um, And at Flowly, we just make it super easy and much cheaper to use. But biofeedback comes in a lot of forms. So there is biofeedback of heart rate and breathing. There's also biofeedback of skin conductance. So um, basically measuring sweat. Um, there's neurofeedback, which is EEG and brain waves. There's um there's also a type of biofeedback that is actually used in maternal health. It's called cardio cardiotocography um, biofeedback, which is basically measuring um, a uterine contraction and uh, looking at the combination with heart rate and how you can combine that with relaxation techniques to help with delivery. So there's like so many types of biofeedback for different applications. It's just that heart rate and HRV biofeedback is probably the most generally helpful for across conditions. Yeah. You know, I'm just now thinking about, you know, whenever I see a scene around a woman giving childbirth, she's encouraged to do her breathing, do your breathing, the breathing you learn. Does that have anything to do with this? Yeah, that's, that's kind of a way um, it's, one of the things that you are taught in biofeedback, however, the difference, right, is a lot of times people tell you to do relaxation techniques or a meditation and things like that. Um, what a lot of people have told me, which has been really helpful to get their perspective, is that biofeedback is like sort of shaving with a mirror. So a lot of times when you're just asked to breathe or asked to meditate, it feels like you don't know what your progress is or exactly what you're doing. It's like not being able to see yourself in the mirror. But with biofeedback, you kind of hold that mirror up to yourself because you can actually see your data and you can see how you're actually in real time affecting your heart rate and your physiology. And that actually helps you learn faster and be able to manipulate your body faster. That was literally my experience. I had the screen, I had my breath and I had my yeah. heart rate and they said, okay, just try to deep breathe, deep breathe. And they said, okay, now try to match your breath with your heart rate. And then that's how they, I mean, the, the person instructing probably already knew, right. But they, mm-hmm. they brought me through that journey to figure out the three and two counts for me, you know, and that's why I think it's just totally stuck. Um, because I hacked it right. Using that screen. Exactly. And you, you do have to go through like a measurement process. So for example, in Flowly the first week, that's what we're actually doing. We're measuring your resonant frequency breathing rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in your case, it was probably a specialist manually measuring it and seeing mm-hmm. what increased your HRV. In our case, we've, um, have an intelligent system and software now that can take in your breathing rate and see your heart rate and be able to measure that for you. You know, I, you are absolutely right in terms of the accessibility. So the only time I saw this person was when I was an inpatient for PTSD treatment well over four years ago. And that was a very extreme case. I was inpatient, right? Like very extreme, but I have not seen or met or heard of other biofeedback 
practitioners in my life in other in any other capacity except for that inpatient experience. So how do people access biofeedback now if it's not through something like Flowly? It is through specialists. Like you would have to seek out a integrative clinic of some sort that has um, a biofeedback machine set up and specialists that can walk you through it. And even then, just to give you an example, you know, for biofeedback to really work, it's recommended you do it two to three times a week, at least 10, 20 minute sessions each. Um, And so there's a lot of consistency, right? You have to get out of bed. You have to go to the center, do it consistently. Um, But For a lot of people, that's really hard. And let alone, let's say you have chronic pain or anxiety or you're pregnant. Um, And so that's why now we ship people the sensors to their house. There's one sensor we've condensed it to um, so that they can do at home because otherwise it is harder to get to that center. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Rosie. If you haven't heard of this female-founded sexual health app recommended by more than 4,500 doctors and therapists, you're missing out, ladies. Rosie was created by an OBGYN and is the first platform dedicated to women's sexual health concerns. Whether you're looking to spice things up, get more comfortable with your body, find a certified sex coach, or feel less alone by connecting with others in a similar situation, Rosie is the right place for you. Visit meetrosie.com backslash femtechfocus to redeem a free month of the Rosie Silver membership package today. You seriously have to take advantage of this deal while you can. I love the app. The Rosie app is changing women's lives. Visit meetrosie, M-E-E-T-R-O-S-Y dot com backslash femtechfocus to get started today. And now back to the interview. Yeah. Well, that really fits well into our segue into femtech specifically because a lot of women's health tools absolutely have to be accessible and hopefully can be done remotely because women yeah. are too busy. Society has not set itself up for our benefit. And so women will not go to three 10 minute sessions a week in an office, right? But if you provide mm-hmm. it to her in her home, she might be able to do it between breastfeeding sessions or between her meetings or whatever uh, they're doing. So let's talk about women's health issues. Um, First, is there a history of biofeedback being useful to women's health specifically? Yeah, there definitely is. And we've come across it so much in our own research and I was actually digging it and digging into it even more. And so, for example, biofeedback has been used and is is actually a recommended intervention by Mayo Clinic for birthing people and mothers throughout the perinatal process. Um, It is helpful for people with endometriosis, which is a pretty femme health issue. Um, It has also been researched for menopause symptoms. So menopause specifically around uh, hot flashes, sleep problems, mood disorders, um, anxiety and depression around menopause, um, and even breast cancer, that entire experience. Could breathing in a specific rate help your hot flash or like circum- like cut it off? Yeah, so there's actually been quite a few randomized clinical trials around biofeedback and alternative interventions for menopause. And uh, so far, there's not a ton of studies because as we know, 
female-led health studies are always lacking, but so far preliminary findings show us that um, heart rate variability and breathing relaxation biofeedback can help reduce the frequency of hot flashes. Um, and then it can also improve sort of the psychological symptoms around menopause, inclu- including like improving sleep and your mood. Yeah. So the underlying biological system here that we're kind of hacking is the nervous system, right? And so the autonomic nervous system, which one is that? Yeah. So the autonomic nervous system is extremely important because it controls so much of your unconscious sort of bodily functions. So things like your sweat, your heart rate, um, your, even what you taste. So many of those things are fed through the highway of your autonomic nervous system. And it's really split into two parts. So you've probably heard of like fight or flight mode, which is what we actually call the sympathetic nervous system. And then there's your rest, digest and recovery mode, which is your parasympathetic nervous system. Now in this day and age, whether or not you have a chronic condition, most of us actually live in a heightened, sustained, sympathetic tone, which means we're basically constantly in fight or flight mode. What you do with biofeedback is you actually teach your body how to shift into your parasympathetic rest, digest, and relaxation mode, which is incredibly important because your body should be maximizing the time it is spending in that recovery mode to be able to relax, to digest, to um, sleep better each night. Yeah. I, uh, had like a nutritional coach last year. And one of the tips that she gave us was before you eat, sit down on your butt, put your feet on the ground and take a deep, long breath. Mm. And I was, and she was like, it'll help you eat better, lose weight, all this stuff. And I was like, just sitting down and taking a deep breath. And she's like, yeah, Britt, you're a scientist, fight or fly or rest to digest. Have you ever really considered the digest part of the rest and digest. Like it means that if you're in fight or flight, you don't digest. Like that's why digest is on the other side. (laughs) And you don't want your body to just be like, okay, I'll break this down and I'll stick it in a corner, i.e. her butt, you know, or her belly or like her back of her arms, whatever. Um, if you actually wanted to fully process, fully digest, you need a rest. You need to like be grounded and not be fight or flight. So she's like, Every bite you food you take while driving is going right to your butt. Like you're not, <laughs> you're not processing that, right? Because you're operating a vehicle. Um, yeah. your body's not in rest. That that's that's a really funny way of putting it. I I actually do flowly sessions after I have big meals because it does because it does help me digest. But I'll I'll bring in another um another sort of sciencey story here, which is super interesting. We work with an incredible biofeedback specialist named Dr. Richard Gewurz, and he actually works a lot with kids. And a lot of times um, uh, parents will bring their kids in to work with him because they are complaining of having a really upset stomach. Mm. So basically they're experiencing some form of irritable bowel syndrome. And he works with them using um, breathing and HRV biofeedback. And really what he's addressing is anxiety. Mm -hmm. So he's teaching them how to address their anxiety, which actually improves their irritable bowel syndrome. And this is true for adults as well. So your gut and your stomach um, 
health is incredibly linked to the rest of your body as well. So that digest is even more complex than we think. Um, it's actually really important to take that time after, before and after you eat a meal to digest and shift your body into parasympathetic tone. Yeah. Would shifting you into parasympathetic tone be helpful for breastfeeding to release the milk? Ooh, interesting. Um, I actually haven't come across specific studies around breast milk production, but I will say biofeedback is extremely helpful throughout the entire uh, perinatal process. So before, during, and after pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And um, there's incredible studies that show, first of all, biofeedback can actually help reduce blood pressure, which can prevent preeclampsia for birthing people. Um, the other thing is that HRV biofeedback with women uh, has been helping with pregnancy-induced hypertension. So they actually have increased gestational age, which is like they, they are pregnant for longer, and then the birth weight of their child is actually higher in the folks that did HRV biofeedback. And it just shows you how powerful it can be to have these alternative um, holistic interventions in the window before labor, yeah. which a lot, of, a lot of times is actually an ignored period. So that prenatal period is incredibly important. If this is, you know, it's, I don't mean to call it simple, like it's not hard. I'm sure it's very hard, you know, like to create all these technologies and stuff, but if literally just breathing on a specific pattern is that impactful, positive impact on health, why don't you think biofeedback is more accessible and prevalent in, in everyday medicine? Yeah. Well, there's, there's two ways uh, to think about this. One is it is actually really hard. Like if you actually try about feedback yourself, it's breathing is a way we talk about it first because it's the most conscious way you can affect your unconscious system, right? Mm -hmm. So I can actually tell you, follow this breathing guide and we can already start to affect your heart rate and HRV. Um, however, the more you get into it, and a lot of our Flowly heroes, what we call our users, um, they, they'll tell us as, as I get more advanced, I start to realize there's things, how I think, how I breathe, even the sweat in my palms, my body temperature can all affect my HRV. And th that's just getting more and more advanced. Um, but we start with breathing because it's the simplest. Now, the reason why I mean, there's a lot of, you know, potential reasons why it hasn't been adopted more widely. One is the technology. I mean, in the 80s, the technology was like, biofeedback was like the entire room. <laughs> it was like, yeah. you know, 10 computers. It's super bulky. The graphics are really bad. Like so many reasons why it wouldn't get picked up um, just commonly. Mm. The second is there was a lot of talk about, oh, is this sort of like voodoo magic? You know, what is biofeedback? It doesn't fit into the medical system because it's not a pill you prescribe. Yeah. It, you don't, you can't actually charge a lot for biofeedback sessions. So the way that the billing reimbursement, the medical system was not set up to incentivize um, non-medication-based or non-invasive uh, procedure-based interventions like biofeedback. Um, the way that you perform biofeedback is through a VR headset, correct? That's right. And so how would somebody like a listener, if they want to engage with Flowly, um, do they have to own their own like Oculus or how does it actually, what does the process look like? And is this just for people who have all the gadgets already? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, our, our, one of our superheroes is 83 and she does it three times a day in bed 
Um, so she definitely didn't own a VR headset, but now she does VR more than her grandkids, which we're really excited about. Um, but so the way it works is when you subscribe to Flowly, we actually send you a kit to your house and the kit includes the super lightweight VR headset and a heart rate sensor. And so all you do is you slip your phone actually into the headset. That's why it's so inexpensive and easy to use. And then you slip a sensor either onto your finger or your ear. And then you just lean back and you're ready to go. So, so it's super cool. easy to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just your phone essentially, but you need that, those blinders to essentially trick your brain into thinking you are there, right? Your brain yeah. thinks you're there. And the, the headset has um, these lenses that allow us to create the virtual reality experience, right? To feel like you're immersed. So you can look around, oh, you feel yeah. completely immersed in that in that environment. Um, you know, it's like you're sitting on the beach with the aurora lights above mm-hmm. you or in the bamboo forest or in a cherry blossom lane. Like we have a lot of different worlds, but those lenses and the VR headset allow us to take you there. So amazing. Um Celine, this has been an incredible interview. I'm so excited to share biofeedback with the world because like I said, it is a tool in my toolkit for my mental health and my physical mm-hmm. health that I use on, honestly on a weekly basis. So mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to highlight this um, solution and highlight this, this solution that uh, that's accessible. As you just said, it's a lightweight thing. You just put your phone in it. So I'm excited to have a link in our show notes uh, for a discount for our listeners. Very excited about that. We have two last questions that we love to ask our guests. The first one is, if someone wanted to start a femtech company, what's an area in women's health that you think still needs innovating? All of it. (laughs) Is that an acceptable answer? Um, There's so much. I think um, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about is uh, for women and women of color, having practitioners that come from similar backgrounds to them uh, can really help studies show it can actually increase the efficacy of top-down approaches like talk therapy and CBT. And I just think there's not enough resources out there that allow you to connect with, um, like, for example, I'm an Asian woman, connect with an Asian female uh, practitioner or provider therapist that I would like to work with. So that's something in women's health that I've been thinking a lot about is being able to access people that you are most able to connect with. Yeah. So it's like ZocDoc should have a filter for ethnicity of the physician then, I suppose. Yeah. And I think it's like really getting into a greater conversation around um, accessibility and and the education system about allowing also more women and more types of women into the provider space, right? Because often it's very limited right now. So mm-hmm. that's that's something definitely I faced myself and I know a lot of my friends have thought about. Uh, even, um, even having families that are uh, immigrant parents that might not even speak English as a first language, but I know a lot of my friends, they have immigrant mothers that they want to, for themselves and for their mom, connect with a psychologist or therapist, but they can't find the people that can help them. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, My uh, co-founder, Julie Hakeem, works in Houston and she learned Spanish because she was talking to young girls about their health and the moms were there not understanding. And so there absolutely is these cultural things that if you want, you know, an eight-year-old girl to know how to treat her, you know, her post-surgery, you know, whatever, sometimes it's about the language of the physician as well. Um, Our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? 
again, so many things, but Mm -hmm. there's a few that come to my mind. One is, so Flowly itself has been through clinical trials backed by the NIH. And that entire process of working with the National Institutes of Health, National Institute of Drug Abuse, um, sort of like the clinical research grant system has really brought to my awareness how few women are included in that process. Mm. And I really think there needs to be more clinical trials centered around women's health. There need to be more researchers and principal investigators um, on these trials. Uh, even for myself, I really fought to have uh, one of our uh, lead researchers is a woman. I am a principal investigator on those clinical trials as well. Um, it was very, very tough to find people to be able to fill those roles. Wow. Um, so I think that's something that's really, really important to me. And as we continue to do more studies, uh, which is, you know, we're all about science at our, on our team, that's going to be top of mind. Yeah. I uh, recently went to um, a, a dinner talk about the microbiome and it kind of brought me back to grad school when we had journal club every week. And so any scientist listening, you know what journal club is. You know, you meet weekly, you talk about a recently published paper, you kind of tease it apart, you find potential flaws in it, you, you know, you debate, and it just helps everyone in the department that you're in, like, stay up to date with the newest findings and things. Um, and I thought to myself, oh, one day I want to sit in a room and it's just Women's Health Journal Club where, you know, we are a department of women's health researchers and everybody is just considering sex as a variable in their research. And we get together on a weekly basis and, you know, chat about like what studies did consider sex as a variable, which ones didn't, how could that affect things? And so I think that um, having the right granting agencies to fund that whole process is obviously where we need to start because that's how departments are formed. That's how PIs are picked. That's how labs are created is through granting from the government. And so if we don't have processes there and optimized for us, like that vision I had won't exist for a while. So, um, but I, I'm proud of you for getting that government funding. Uh, Europe <laughs> does a great job of funding startups and research. So U.S. has to get up to date. So I'm glad you got some. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a very tough process in the U.S. Very, very rigorous. It was harder to get that grant funding than to fundraise from investors. Wow. So that's um, it, yeah, it's a, it's a very tough process, but a, a very worthwhile one. Yeah. Celine, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, I love what you're working on and I can't wait to uh, try it out myself. Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you for listening to my interview with Celine Tian, the founder and CEO of Flowly. Learn more and sign up at flowly.world. Okay, Fem fans, don't forget to fill out the Stack the Deck for Femtech questionnaire, which you can find in our newsletter, virtual community, and social media channels. You can subscribe to the newsletter on our website, femtechfocus.org. That's where you can also join the virtual community where over 2,000 Femtech founders are sharing resources and opportunities. There's an events calendar, jobs board, even a DIY Femtech accelerator. Give me a shout out on social media at Femtech Focus and consider becoming a monthly donor. We're a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to supporting Femtech founders succeed. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.